You know, when we were younger, I'm not sure if I learned this when I was a kid or when I was teaching kids, but it's a little chorus that we, and I'm not going to sing it for you tonight, so <laughs> don't, get, don't get worried, but it's a little chorus that we used to um, teach the children, and it was Shamgar had an ox goad, David had a sling, Dorcas had a needle, Rahab had a string, Samson had a jawbone, Aaron had a rod, Mary had some ointment, but they all were used for God. And you know, as I I would sing that song, I would think about those things. You know, those are really very simple things. You know, a needle, uh, a jawbone, a, a rod. They're not things that we think of as being something great that God would use. But um, the difference was, I mean, there were tons of men back then who used ox goads because that's how they did their plowing. They would hitch the oxen up. And, and oxen are not driven by reins, but they're driven with an ox goad. And um, there were many women who sewed. There were boys who had slingshots. But the difference was, was that all of these people allowed themselves to be available for God's use. They allowed God to use them and to work through them. And so I'm going to take a little time tonight, and we're going to look at some of these um, these people in their lives. Uh, the first one here is Shamgar and his ox goat. And, you know, there are only two verses in the Bible that even mention his name. And one of them is in Judges 3.31. And um, this is what it says. And after him, referring to Ehud, the former judge, and after him came Shamgar, the son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad, and he also saved Israel. So God took this farmer, probably out plowing, and God allowed him to take this ox goat and kill 600 men. And I was reading a little bit about an ox goat, and they said that one end of it had a sharp point on it. So they could use that to prod the oxen and to direct them and get them to go where they wanted. And the other end was usually larger in circumference, maybe as as big as six inches in circumference. And that was used to often to knock the clods of dirt off the plowshare if it began to get clogged up. And so... um, he, he allowed God to use this simple tool to help him to save his country, to save his nation. And then the next person in the song is David. And we all know the story of David. David with his slingshot, how um, he had been anointed to be the king, and he'd gone back out to watch his sheep. And his father sent him to go see his brothers. In the, um, they were in the army, serving for King Saul. And so David... Um, went over there, and he gets there, and here's this big old guy that comes out and taunts the Israelites. And, you know, he says, why don't one of you come and, and, and take me on? One of you come and take me on, and if you kill me, then we'll be your servants, and if, and if I kill you, then you'll be my servants. But he didn't want the whole army to come. He just wanted one person. And now these Israelites are shaking in their boots because they're afraid of this guy because he's big, and they don't want to go out there. And this little shepherd boy comes up, and he says, well, what's going to happen to the person that, that goes out and does this? And so he, he's told that uh, Saul is going to give them his daughter for a wife and all this kind of stuff. Well, his older brother overhears what he has to say. And his older brother, he says, oh, you've just come out here to mock us. He said, you, you need to go home. He wasn't too happy to have little brother there. But the king heard what um, David had to say. And so he sent for David. And he wanted David, David, you know, he wasn't afraid. He says, I'll go out there. He says, I know my God can help me. He knew something that all of these men should have known, 
But David allowed himself to be put in a place where he could be used of God. And so David goes out here with his little slingshot. He, he didn't want the armor saw offered him. He goes out with a little slingshot and five smooth stones. And he kills that giant. And he tells him, you know, that Goliath mocks him when he heads out there. He says, what are you doing, sending dogs out here to take me down? And uh, David says, oh, no. He's the God I serve. The God I serve, he's able to help me. I don't come by myself. I come in the power of God. And God Almighty honored David's simple little um, words. And God used David to take care of Goliath. And he again saved his country Israel from the Philistines. Then the next person in the song is Dorcas. In the scripture, Dorcas, um, over in Acts 9.36, it tells us that she was a widow uh, her name was Tabitha, but it was translated in the Greek, Dorothicus. And she was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And Dorcas had died. And the widows were mourning her loss because Dorcas made garments for them and their children. She helped to take care of her community. Probably wasn't an educated woman, probably just a simple housewife, willing to be used to help others, willing to let God work in her. And so um, they called for Peter. They found out that Peter was in town, and they called for Peter to come over. And Peter came over, and he went in, and he prayed, knelt down by her bed, and he prayed. And then he says, Tabitha, arise. And Dorcas gets up. And oh, how the rejoicing went on because she was still there. She could continue to help the poor and the needy in her community. She allowed God to take that simple little sewing needle and use it for his honor and for his glory and to touch the lives of those around her. The next one in the story is Rahab. Rahab had a string. And if you look real close, that string is actually red. But uh, it was more than just a little string. <laughs> she had to have a pretty hefty rope there to get these men over the wall. But, you know, Rahab was a woman, uh, the scriptures call her a, a prostitute or a harlot, and she allowed these spies to come in and to live in her home. Now, Rahab was not from a Christian nation. She was not from a Christian background. But she had heard the stories of the Israelites, as had others in Jericho. And they were scared of them. They, they were fearful of the Israelites and what that they were going to do to them. And so when these men came to her home, they, they had been sent there by Joshua to check out the land. And so when they came to her home, um, she let them come in and stay there. And she um, took them up and she hid them because she found out that the king, was looking, the king of Jericho was looking for them. She takes them up, hides them on the roof of her house under some flax. And when the king's men arrive at her house, she says, oh, no. She says, I didn't know who they were and they've already, I've sent them on their way. So the men take off going to look for these men, going to look for these two spies. But Rahab takes that opportunity, and she goes up on the roof, and she tells, confronts them, and she says, I know who you are. I know that you're from the Israelites. I know that you uh, serve a mighty God, and we've heard what he does. We've heard how he's helped uh, given you victory over um, the Amorite kings. And he, we heard how he helped you to cross the Red Sea. And uh, so she asked them if they will spare her life because she has spared their life. And Rahab um, 
talks to them that night, and these men tell her, we will do this. When we come back, we'll spare your life, but make sure this red string that you're letting us down over the wall and make sure that's hanging from your window. And so when they came back and they marched around the walls of Jericho and the walls of Jericho fell, Rahab's house was still standing and they went in there and they were able to bring out Rahab and her family. And, you know, you think of, of Rahab and, and later on in the, script, in the New Testament, we find that she actually was part of the lineage of Christ. God blessed her faithfulness because she believed in him even when she really didn't know him. But she allowed herself to be used of God to help these men once again to save the Israelites. Then there's another character over there in the book of Judges uh, called Samson. Samson had a jawbone. (laughs) We don't think of a jawbone as being a very dangerous weapon, at least I haven't heard of anything in the news of anybody being killed by a jawbone. But um, we know that Samson was a man that God had set apart to be used to save the Israelite people. He also was a judge. And uh, the Philistines were just constantly tearing things up with the Israelites and causing conflict and confusion and problems. And and uh, Samson, God had... um, told him never to, his parents and him that he was never to cut his hair. He was to be a Nazarite. And so the Philistines were constantly trying to find out where his source of strength was, which was in his hair. Well, once again, they had come, and they had been trying to find out, and he had actually um, gotten 300 foxes together because he was a little upset over what took place concerning the woman that he had married. And So he gets 300 foxes, ties a torch between every two of their tails, and sends them off. Well, this burned down all the crops, it burned down the vineyards, it burned down everything, and the Philistines were very upset with him. And they were not happy with what he had done. So they've come again, and they're trying to find out where his strength is. And Samson says, well, tie me up with new ropes. That'll take care of the problem. So they tie him up, and they they take him out, and the scripture says that he came to Lehi, And the Philistines begin to shout at him. And the Spirit of the Lord settles down on Solomon. And he breaks those new ropes off just like they're nothing. The scripture says it was like they were flax. He breaks those off and he finds a fresh jawbone of a donkey. And he picks it up and he uses it to kill a thousand men. You can't even imagine that, can you? <laughs> you know, I mean, you think of a thousand people and one man goes out there and he just he uses this, this bone to kill a thousand men. But once again, we have someone else that allowed themselves to be used by God to save the Israelite nation and to reach out and to um, be used in whatever way with whatever God put in their hand. Then we had Aaron had a rod. And, you know, God used Aaron's rod in various different ways, but um, he was was to go before Pharaoh. And when he went before Pharaoh, he threw his rod down, and it turned into a serpent, which startled and frightened everyone, picked it back up, and it went back into a rod again. Well, when it came to the time when the Lord uh, was visiting the plagues upon the the Egyptians because they would not let his people go back to the promised land— we find that Aaron held his rod out over the waters of Egypt, and they all turned to blood. And then later he held it out over the rivers, and the frogs came up on the land. 
So Aaron allowed himself to take the simple instrument, which he probably looked upon as an old dry, dead stick. And he allowed God to use it in whatever way and to use him in whatever way was necessary to bring about uh, the freedom of the Israelites from the Egyptians. And then we have the story of Mary. Mary had some ointment. And um, the scripture said that Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon. The, or at, he was in Bethany and I'm, at the home of Simon the leper. And I started to say Simon the Tanner, but it's the wrong Simon. Um, the disciples uh, were there, and they, this woman came in, and she had a vial of perfume. And I've heard it said that that perfume may have cost a whole year's worth of wages. But she brought it in, and she broke her vial of perfume, and she anointed Jesus' feet and began to wipe it with her hair. And the disciples says, well, why have you allowed her to do this? Why, that money could have been taken and given to the poor. And Jesus says, oh, you've always got the poor with you. He said, but this woman, what she's done, she's anointed me for my burial. And, of course, at this time, they didn't even realize what Jesus was talking about. But Mary allowed herself to be used by God. And Jesus said that what she did that day would be remembered all forever. And we're still talking about it today. Look how many years later. Mary obeyed God. She did what God put in, used what God put in her hand so that she could be used by him. So now the question comes, what's in your hand? You know, God asked Moses that question in Exodus 4.2. The Lord spoke to him and he says, Moses, what is that in your hand? Well, with Moses, it happened to be that he had a rod in his hand at that time, a, sh- a simple shepherd's staff, a dead piece of wood. But God knew what he was going to do with that rod. God knew that he was going to take Moses and he was going to use him to go out and to to lead the Israelites back to the promised land. But, you know, I think the Lord still asks each of us, what does he want us to do? What do we have in our hand? What talent, what abilities do we have to be used of God? God has something in some way, to use every single one of us. Are you seeking to find how he wants to use you? Are you asking him, Lord, what is your will for my life? What can I do to serve you? How can I reach out and help those round about me? It's some, it, may be something, it may be something very simple. I think of Bill Wade, who uses his voice to call people on their birthdays and anniversaries and sings to them, and, and it blesses people. I think of some people who write notes of encouragement. There are some that stand out here and greet on Sunday mornings. God has got a plan. There are some that get up here and sing beautifully like these ladies did tonight. But God has a way to use each one of us. Some of you may be that right now you can't do a lot of other things, but you can pray. And you spend time at home on your knees calling out to God because that's what you can do for him right now. God has a plan. God has a purpose for our lives. And God wants to take us and mold us and make us into what he wants us to be. But we have to be just like these individuals in the scripture. We have to be willing. We have to open our hearts. We have to open our lives and let Jesus Christ show us what his will for our life is. And we have to let him use us in the way that he wants to use us. And so I've... um, 
I just want you tonight to stop and to open your hearts and think about it and ask the Lord, Lord, what can I do for you? Is there something else that you want me to do, no matter how simple, no matter how great? Is there something that you want me to do so that I can be used for you in a greater way to help to bring about glory for your kingdom? Pastor Edgar's going to come and we're going to sing uh, the song about the Spirit using us. And I'd just like you to just think in your heart, close your eyes, just as you sing, just to, to think in your heart, Lord, how can I be better used of you? How can I let my life become your vessel and let you flow through me and use me? Mm-hmm.